Welcome to Small Talks, where we have small talks about a big God. I'm Crystal Walker. Let's talk. When I was in school, group projects were my least favorite activity, especially when the teacher picked your group for you. I mean, you have no control over who you'll be stuck with for the duration of the project. If your group was lazy or full of complainers or not reliable, you had to make the best of it because you had an assignment to complete. Family is kind of like that. You had no control over how you ended up in the family you are in today. The institution of family is a divine orchestration of God. God placed you in the family you are in today for a purpose. Even though every now and then you may feel like you want to trade them in, you can't. You're stuck with them. So let's figure out how we can make the best of it. How can we honor God with our family relationships? So we didn't choose our family. God chose our family for us. But why did God put us in the families that he did? Well, I believe that God gave you, God gave me, our specific families to simply teach us to love. Let me show you what I mean. I want us to look at the two greatest commandments. The Bible has a lot of commandments and laws, and if you're a Christian, it can be a little overwhelming to think about all that God requires from us. But God was gracious and summed up all the laws into two laws that are called the greatest commandments. You can find them in Matthew chapter 22. Let's look at it. So a religious leader asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus replied and said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I think we all know that God wants us to love him with all of our being. That is probably why you spend time in prayer or reading the Bible. That's why you worship or attend church. You probably have a number of spiritual disciplines that you put in place so that you'll love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. So I think we understand and get that commandment, right? But I want to zoom in on the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. I want to suggest that you start with your closest neighbor, and that's your family. And some of you guys are like, Crystal, I think I'm good on this one. I got this one down. I love my family. Well, we're not talking about a shallow surface type of love here. I want us to see how God intends for us to love our family. 1 Corinthians 13 spells out how to love according to his standard. Verse 4 through 7 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. There were a number of attributes, but I want to highlight just two attributes in this passage. The scripture says love is patient. That word patient literally means to suffer long. I know that doesn't sound like something you would want to sign up for, right? That word patience implies that you are suffering in some sort of way. It can literally mean to bear the offenses or injuries of others. So that word patience is pretty rich. It simply means that true love will endure. The scripture says that love keeps no record of being wronged. 
If this sounds humanly impossible, you're right, it is. God gave us a pretty magnificent memory that keeps records of many things in life. But when we're wronged or experience some type of drama, that memory seems to be unforgettable. Why would God call us to do something that counters the way that he designed us? We don't easily forget, right? Well, I don't believe God is asking us to forget. You remembering the wrong is not the issue here. The best way for me to explain this is to understand how God deals and relates to us. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, this is what God says. He says, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Well, obviously the scripture is not saying that God will literally forget our sins because that would mean we would have to reduce the mind of God down to a human flawed level. So God doesn't forget, but what the scripture is saying is that God chooses to relate to us as if we have never sinned. He chooses to relate to us in a way as if he has forgotten our sins. So God is like, yeah, I know you sinned against me, but I won't hold it against you. I will remember no more. Now that's love. And that's what it's supposed to look like for us. We're not supposed to take into account the wrong suffered. Think about it. The only reason to keep a record of something is so that you can refer to it later at some point. Perhaps to bring it up when it's convenient for you so that maybe you can win an argument or prove a point. Well, God is calling us to love in a way where we are not keeping a record of wrong. As we look at this challenging passage, I think the conclusion we end up with is that we all can stand to love a little deeper. Go through the list again and see which attributes you need to work on. Remember, we have the Holy Spirit to help us live out this definition of love. Have you ever realized that in the Bible, you'll never see Jesus saying, I love you? Nope, it's not there. He did love. He gave love. So how can you love your family a little bit more this week? How can you show them that you love them? God, we really need your help with this one. Would you help us love our family in the way that you've called us to? In Jesus' name, amen.